there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 45 of Jeff Reads' Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we are reading chapter 23 of Offworlder, a book I wrote in a month. So, if you want to contact the show, you can head on over to jeffreadsbook.com, and right there, there's three ways to contact me on the main page. And while you're there, why not consider buying copies of these terrible books that I wrote far too quickly? With no planning and no plot line and no character development, you know, some character development. We'll give, we'll give a little credit to the author there, I think. Yeah, come on. Come on. Don't you feel deeply for these people? Or at least maybe the two main characters. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, you may have noticed today I am by myself. So the lovely Laura has deferred till uh, the final chapter to be on the podcast. So we're going to do that with chapter 24, I think, instead. We'll have to see when we do that. So um, I'm thinking, I mean, Christmas Eve might work out nice. You know what I mean? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. But it could be fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get through this chapter alone. That's all right. This chapter's kind of... Uh, what do I want to say? A little sappy, and I really don't want her looking at me while I read it. <laughs> yeah, so so we don't have any feedback from Laura, but we do have feedback from Glenn. Oh, this is exciting. Let me open the phone here. La, 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 la. Um, okay, so let's go back, because Glenn actually gave us answers for episode 40, what, 3 and 42? Um, bup, 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 bup. I don't know. Let's see. Where was this? Um, oh, okay. 43. Here we go. Episode 43. We have some chapter questions here. I apologize for all that dead air. Okay, let's do this. Uh, the first question. What's worse in your food, a hair or a bug? Um, so Glenn says, uh, I think big. How does whoever is serving you not notice that ahead of time? How many bugs do they regularly see in the kitchen for that to happen? I, at least a hair is easily overlooked. All right, that's a good point, right? If you're always seeing bugs and you just think nothing of it, gross. <laughs> I guess I didn't think of it that way. All right, question two. Uh, do you use your dining room? So Glenn has an answer. Dining room is used for holiday meals and really big board games like Firefly or Star Wars Armada. I have played Star Wars Armada on said dining room table, and it is delightful. And I think Glenn's dining room had this, uh, he'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but he has like uh, the remnants of a system to ring a bell to call the servants into his dining room. It's pretty spectacular. Glenn lives at a fancy old house. It's pretty sneazzy, but... Uh, I don't think that thing works anymore. If it doesn't work, we should definitely fix it. I think that's going to be one of our... Uh, instead of playing a Star Wars Armada one night, we should uh, tear up his floors and put that in. <laughs> All right, and then uh, question three. Who are the bad guys? So if you guys remember, in uh, chapter 21, they found a red piece of cloth, which I said was a big deal. All right, so Glenn says, red cloth... Magic of making things disappear? It's clearly Santa Claus. <laughs> wow, so appropriate since we're coming up on Christmas. Aw. He lives in the world of magic and must kidnap people to turn them into his elf slaves. 
Wow, that is deep, and I love it. I think that would be a better book than what I have here. <laughs> so, all right, let's move on to Chapter 22's discussion questions from Episode 44. What do we have? So, Question 1. Um, oh, oh, I asked how much rubble was there. Like, uh, remember, they uh, Henry knocked everything the bar over, and there were a bunch of mages stuck under rubble. Okay. So... Uh, I said, how big a pile of rubble was it, or what is it? And uh, he says, I imagine debris like what covered Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, except with old food left on the tables from vanished patrons. Yeah, yeah, so you're probably going to get, well, it's a bar, so, I don't know, mozzarella sticks on you, and um, what else? Uh, Nachos, potato skins, maybe an artichoke dip. You know, that's something we didn't, uh, you know, they're covered in rubble, but we really didn't explore. I guess it's cold now, so that artichoke dip wouldn't, like, burn you. Unless it's magic artichoke dip. <laughs> Which could be. I don't know. Maybe that's a discussion question. All right. Uh, question two. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. How big was the box with the tube thing? <laughs> I imagined a gramophone with a big brass horn-shaped tube and a crank on the side. <laughs> and he sent a picture, and it's beautiful. It's perfect. Yeah. I'm on with that. Uh, question three. Oh, where are the names from? Glenn cheated a little bit th- on this. So his answer was Canadian female soccer players with a question mark. Yes. So he is actually correct, but he does point out he Googled it. Uh, and he's not completely correct. So McLeod and Foligno refer to Aaron McLeod and Janelle Foligno of the Canadian women's national team. Although I don't think they've been, uh, Foligno hasn't been called up since 2012, maybe. Yeah, she's pretty awesome. Met her in person, have a signature right here next to me. Uh, it's framed and on a uh, end table next to the couch here in the basement studio. Uh, all the live studio audience can see it. Uh, I think Laura's really thrilled that I have a signed picture of a Canadian women's soccer player right next to our couch. <laughs> I think it's pretty badass, though. Yeah, yeah. So he was only half right because uh, the other two names were, let me see, in that chapter were Thinny and Nasib. And actually, I think that refers to Tine is how you pronounce that because it is Gaetan Tine from the French women's national team. And Louisa Nassib, also from the French women's national team. Look at me. I just want to point out I didn't look that up. I just know that because I'm a big women's soccer nerd for some reason. I don't know. Whatever. Long story. Not this podcast. We're not getting into it. But, yeah, that's where the name's from. Uh, there were some more names earlier. I think that most of them were more Canadians, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. There you go. All right. So, good on Glenn for actually looking up Foligno and actually finding the right answer. So that was a pretty impressive uh, feat. Uh, the other thing, uh, we did have a fourth question, and uh, that was what kind of wine we should drink. And he said Arbor Mist. And the answer there, Glenn, is no. I don't think I've drank that since I've been in college, or at least grad school. I mean, that counts as college, I guess. I haven't ugh, that stuff is so... I don't know. Actually, it's kind of good. What are you going to do? I, I, I'm not going to get it at home. Um you know what is good? There's a, what is that? It's one of those real lame wine companies, but they come in like a jug instead of a bottle. And they're sangria. My mother was drinking for a little while. Pretty, pretty good. I like that one. Um, 
Russo, maybe? Is that it? It's definitely cheap. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not great wine, but it is tasty sometimes. You know, Arbor Mist is good, I guess, but living in Ohio, if I want like sweet wine, you have like much more, um, what do I want to say, like natural. I feel like Arbor Mist is uh, like flavor injected, you know what I mean? But in Ohio, they make wine out of freaking Concord grapes, like from jelly. And that stuff is sweet as hell. And you know what? I think kind of tasty. So I would probably opt for that before Arbor Mist myself. I should do that for next episode. Get some, uh, yeah, some fruit, some uh, fruity-ass sweet wine and drink that. That'd be good, yeah. Maybe then Laura could make fun of me, especially if she's on that episode. And we'll drink together. That'd be good. Yay! <laughs> awesome. Good times. All right. So we got some feedback. That's exciting. So um, if you all want to write in to Laura, you should write in and tell her that she needs to be on the show so we can uh, finish up this book. I don't know if we'll have a retrospective. Who am I going to have on for that? Probably nobody. Ooh. I feel like I want this podcast to keep going quick, though. So maybe I need to start editing uh, Homecoming. Isn't that what I said that book's name was? Ooh, it's going to be bad. Ooh, boy. And no, Glenn, I'm still not letting anybody read soccer. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> but today, today, people, oh, we are reading chapter 23. It is seven and a half pages long, and I failed to make any notes about it. <laughs> but I will say, all right, from memory... Uh, it's going to be heavy on the Henry and Margot, right? And their interrelationshipal, uh, what do you want to say? Uh, I don't know. Who cares? They're going to, you know, it's about those two, this chapter. It's going to be fun. There's some excitement, right? Some drama. Oh, this is going to be good. And all in seven and a half pages, right? And there'll be no staff meetings, to the best of my knowledge. Very exciting for those of you who are in your car driving to work in the morning who don't want to hear about staff meetings. So, I think this is exciting. I see no reason to delay. So, with without any further ado, let's dive in to chapter 23. So, for today's episode, I am sipping on a freshly opened... Uh, okay, that makes it sound like I'm drinking from the bottle. I am sipping on some Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey on the Rocks. I actually ran out yesterday. I was gonna go, I was considering running out to buy Laura a Christmas present. And uh, then I said, you know what? Not gonna do that. I, I didn't, long story, I can tell after Christmas. How about that? Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. We'll talk about that after Christmas. So instead, I went to the grocery store because we needed more rice, yes, for dinner tonight, actually. And then I went into the state liquor agency inside the grocery store and got a bottle of bourbon because stockpiles were getting a little low at home. I had just finished the Buffalo Trace this week. Oh, I miss it so much already. But wild turkey, not bad at all. Mm. Mm. Very tasty. I did not go with the 101, as you may have noticed. But eh, what are you going to do? I think the 101... the 101 isn't on sale right now in Ohio, just the regular, so yeah, you just get by with what you can do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a little bit nervous about this chapter, so well, let's try reading it. Oh, chapter 23. This is going to be mushy and awful, I'm guessing. Plenty of typos. Last chapter had so many typos in it, so let's see how this one does, shall we? Okay. 
Margot and Henry stopped back at the barn to collect Henry's things and talk to whoever might still be there. At the meeting area, oh, oh, don't worry, it's not a meeting. (laughs) They found Roy and a frantic Carlos trying to make sense of what they had heard was occurring in the village. It had been the magistrates, Henry explained to both, but it's over now. How did you catch them? Carlos asked, astonished. We had entered a tavern and heard heard a noise upstairs. We hid until they all entered and we surprised them, Henry explained. He knew it was vastly oversimplified, but he also knew that he wouldn't be answering to Carlos in the end regardless. And what did you do with the artifact? Where is it, Harlos? Carlos, not Harlos. <laughs> Carlos asked impatiently. He destroyed it, Margot said. What? Carlos exclaimed. We need to study. And everyone missing has been freed from the artifact, Margot interrupted. Roy's eyes widened at this news. You, you mean everyone's back, he asked. As far as I know, yes, everyone's fine now, Henry replied. After a moment's thought, he added, Except perhaps the magistrates, men and women. I expect they'll be punished harshly by the villagers. Roy threw his arms around Henry, crying, Oh, thank God. Oh, thank you. Henry awkwardly patted him on the back and looked at Margot, who was who looked to be fighting back a laugh. You know, that's not fair. Men should be able to show their emotions. God, Margo, why do you why do you just have to assign people masculine stereotypes? Ugh. When Roy finally released him, Carlos began, You should have brought the artifact here. That was shockingly irresponsible. Henry shrugged. Too late for should haves, I guess, he said, and regardless, everything is alright now. How can you say that, Carlos asked, now angry. Don't you think the magistrates will be furious? Henry eyed him suspiciously. I expect they will be furious, yes. I, however, don't care about that. If you do, I'll be happy to tell the villagers that you think they should have remained in that magic limbo, he said. Carlos looked ready to speak, but Margot instead assertively said, Carlos looked ready to speak, but Margot instead assertively said, it's a lot of alliteration, don't you think? That could be lyrics to a song. Or a rap. I'm not going to (laughs) rap. We'll be leaving for the temple now. We merely came back to collect Henry's belongings. When you arrive there, tell them we'll be back in a few days. We're not traveling with you. Henry looked at Margot confused. He hadn't known this was her plan exactly. He thought they might stay at the barn until the entire expedition was ready to leave. Margot looked at him with a mischievous smile. I thought we might take our time going home, if that's okay with you, she said suggestively, grabbing his hand. Henry, now smiling, said, let's go get my things. Turning to Roy, he patted him on the shoulder. We'll see you at home, Roy, all right? Everything is fine now. Turning to Carlos, he only humored him with a frown and a shake of his head from side to side. With Margot leading, Henry walked to the barn to retrieve his bag. Drinking break! Mmm, tasty. Mm. My ice cube's mostly melted, so it's a little watered down now, but yeah, 
It's good. Mm. This is a regular Sunday that I'm doing this on, so this afternoon might be a little hard. <laughs> After losing sight of the farm, Margot was able to fish out a map of the region from her closet, and she took Henry's bag from him so he could walk freely. The map led them slightly south in a southerly direction. I added that. <laughs> of the road... Oh, this led them slightly south of the road they had traveled on with the other mages, which relieved Margot. She was thankful to have Henry to herself rather, to ha rather than having to listen to others praise him endlessly for hours. There would be plenty of time for that once they arrived at home. The walking duo was able to reach a village as evening fell. The village had only a single inn, and the pair was able to procure a room, ooh, big word, for the night without trouble. Apparently, the nearby problems had scared away most travelers, and they kept the inn open. That's good. That's good. Probably losing money, but, you know. As they ate dinner, however, Margot learned that news from the once-emptied village, another dash space in there, ugh, you know what I mean? When the dash doesn't touch both words, that's a major typo trend in this book. Uh, whew, all right. Excuse me. All right. The once empty... Uh, uh, let's start from the beginning of this paragraph. As they ate dinner, however, Margot learned that news from the once emptied village traveled faster than they had. People in the tavern after a workday loudly cheered the release of the, quote, prisoners and cursed the magistrates. Margot and Henry both remained smiling. <laughs> both remained silent, smiling when exaggerations amused them. They say the magistrates were stopped by a giant of a warrior mage. Ah, but not without the help of a sly witch who could blind their attackers to all. Margot cringed at the term witch, and Henry laughed at her displeasure. Witch, please. She was a mighty sorceress from the northern reaches. So a brown-haired giant of a warrior mage and a black-haired sorceress? It's true, word just came in an hour ago. And they just disappeared, did they? Some say they can disappear and reappear wherever they'd like. Henry and Margot both laughed and generally weren't noticed amongst the loud tavern customers. The bartender, however, eyed them laughing at their table from behind the bar. He walked over and stopped at their table. Might I get you two something else, he asked. Another round would be great, Margot said. Ooh, I wonder what she's drinking. Gotta put that on the list. <laughs> discussion question list, am I right? I won't remember that when I try to make discussion questions. The bartender stood, looking back and forth between them, then asked, So where have you two been? Where have you two traveled in from today? A little north and west of here. It's not important, Henry answered. I see, he said, and walked back to retrieve the mugs. Oh, mugs. I guess beer. All right, scratch that from discussion questions. <laughs> he knows, Henry whispered to Margot. When the bartender returned, he placed two full mugs on the table and winked. Everything is on the house for you tonight, he said quietly. You don't have to, Henry started. No, please. It's my pleasure. The bartender stopped him. The bartender stopped him. Okay. And I'll keep quiet, at least until you leave. With another wink, 
he returned to the bar and his raucous customers. After finishing their drinks, Margot led Henry up to their room for a not exactly relaxing evening. Oh, we know what that means. <laughs> Drinking break. <laughs> Ooh, some implied sexual activities. Very nice. <laughs> All right. Don't worry. We're coming back to the book. We're not starting in the bedroom. <laughs> I sometimes think, like, how bad would it be if that was written in? I don't even know what I... Oh, oh. You know, it's probably not worse than soccer, which is a terrible book. Okay, let's do this. The pair left the next day later than they had originally intended because they were banging, am I right? All right. <laughs> Margot wasn't exactly disappointed they were delayed, of course. Oh, God. <laughs> mm. I needed a little more bourbon after Margot's little, what do you call that, glow? <laughs> she was, in fact, the happiest she thought she'd been in years. As they emerged onto the street in the little village, Margot suggested another village that they could easily reach walking at a leisurely pace by mid-afternoon. She pointed out that it should bring them about halfway home. He agreed, as she expected he would, and the two set off along the dirt road. Throughout the day, they encountered the occasional rider or cart. All asked if they had heard news from the West. Margot and Henry restricted themselves to vague descriptions and hand-waving, and the riders often related what they had heard, had, had here. <laughs> Sorry, it should be heard. Complete with all the amusing changes hearsay can bring to a story. As dinner time approached, Henry and Margot strolled into another small village. The brightly lit tavern and inn was easy to pick out in the twilight, and they headed straight toward it. They asked for a room and a table. Both Henry and Margot sat with a sigh of relief after a long day of walking. Margot was relieved. Oh, we already we know. She just said that. Margot was relieved that they their that they seem to be anonymous in this village. All right. I had a lot of stuttering. Margot was relieved that they seemed to be anonymous in this village, although the news was just as wild in this tavern. She continued to laugh as Henry was described as a towering hulk, and she had somehow now acquired a pointy hat. As the stories went on, she and Henry enjoyed a hot meal together with some lighter talk that didn't involve foiling the plans of evildoers. Oh. After eating, just as they were starting their third round of drinks, and Margot had started eyeing Henry for what might come later, oh, God, insatiable, am I right? Three men entered the tavern. The leading man wore the red robe of the magistrates, and two armed, red-uniformed men followed. Good people, he yelled upon entering and began unrolling a scroll. I guess we didn't know they used scrolls yet, did we? I don't think anybody's written anything down in this book. <laughs> oh, well, they had that fax machine, and it came in a folder, so, like a booklet. So this is the first scroll. And maybe this is just done for, like, uh... Uh, what do I want to say? You know, like, uh, traditional reasons, like, um, I can't think of the word. Oh, you know, you're just making a show of it, kind of. Um, uh, not, 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 
God, I can't think of it. Forget it. I don't know. All right, we're moving on. All right. So we unrolled a scroll, right? Uh, we are looking for a man and a woman. The two you see here, a Henry McCallum and a Margot Lafleur, wanted for crimes against the public good. Heads turned first to the scroll, then to Margot and Henry at their table. Margot leaned back and rolled her eyes, her plans for the rest of the night now delayed and possibly thwarted. The leading man saw that it was indeed Henry and Margot sitting at the table. He yelled to the trailing soldier, Get the others, they're here. Marching up to the table, he said, You both need to come with me immediately. What crimes? one of the tavern's regulars asked loudly. A smattering of agreement came from the other patrons. Assaulting agents of the of magistrates. Destruction of property of the magistrates. I feel like it should have been assaulting agents of the magistrates, since the next pa- the phrase says destruction of property of the magistrates. Eh. All right. Assaulting agents of magistrates. Destruction of property of the magistrates. Interference with official magistrates' business. Destruction of a magical artifact. Do you need to hear more? Wow. The capital D and do. This ah, doesn't work. There's typos all through this. Bad, bad, bad. He looked around at the patrons with an arrogant look. A patron at the bar suddenly pointed at Margot and Henry. It's them. They were at Dramby last night. I heard. They freed the villagers. Oh, they were at Dramby last night, I heard. They freed the villagers. Dramby must be the name of the village. Wow, that was exciting. <laughs> Margot stared at Henry, not sure what to do, frowning. Henry put his hand up at her, indicating she should just wait. Other patrons started cheering at Margot and Henry, now seated. Margot looked back to the man in the red robe, and she could see him becoming unsettled by the sudden excitement in the bar. A patron shoved him, and another shoved him the other direction. Time to go, Margot said. Behind the lead man in the red robe, the soldiers were now being pushed and shoved as more tried to squeeze into the tavern. Margot raised her right hand and snapped, and the pair blinked out of sight. Margot, what are you doing? Henry asked, confused. We have to get out of here. Out of here, she said. It didn't say out of here, you know. We have to get out of here, she said, rising from her seat. A few people were staring in astonishment at where they had just been sitting. The magistrate's men were now far too occupied with the crowd to have noticed. Margot led Henry back to the kitchen and snapped her fingers inside the warm room, breaking the spell and surprising the woman stirring something in a bowl. Probably stew. <laughs> I'm going to take a drinking break right now. If I can. Jesus. Wow. Killed that glass. Shit. Um, as the woman gasped, Margot asked, Is there a back door out of here? There's quite a commotion in the bar. The speechless woman pointed towards a door at the opposite end of the brightly lit kitchen, and Margot started towards it. She turned back to see Henry talk to the woman. I'm really sorry about scaring you, he said. Instead of nodding, she screamed, causing Henry to jump back. Grabbing Henry, she said, come on, let's go. She she was across the room in two long strides. 
Pulling the door open, she stepped outside into the nighttime air and slammed the door behind her. Looking at Henry angrily, she said in a raised voice, You wanted to wait inside? Wait for what? More soldiers? She turned and started walking towards a side street. We were going to be fine, Margot, Henry insisted without ending his quote. The crowd alone would have taken care of the magistrates. Turning back to him, she crossed her arms across her chest. And then what, hmm? she asked. We could have finished dinner, he said with a shrug. Margot shook her head in frustration. No, Henry, they knew who we were now, she explained. The whole night would have been thank you and your heroes and have a drink with me until all hours of the morning. And then we'd go up to bed just in time for about a hundred more soldiers to show up and surprise us in our sleep. Henry gazed at her silently. What? she exclaimed, still fuming. Henry smiled. You're right. I didn't think of any of that. <laughs> Henry, you're a dumbass. Margot shook her head, feeling herself getting angrier at his acquiescence. Damn it, Henry. You shouldn't be just agreeing with me. You shouldn't just be agreeing with me, she said in a still-raised voice. Why aren't you yelling back? Softly, Henry replied, Margot, I'm not mad at you. What's really wrong? She turned away from him and cradled her forehead in her right hand. Margot felt angrily, uh, angry, but not specifically at Henry. Whipping back around towards him, she yelled, I just wanted one more night with you, okay? One more night where I had you all to myself. And I've lost it, and... And... She spoke quietly in a voice she rarely heard herself use. And now I've lost you. Oh. Henry looked at her confused, shaking his head. What do you mean you've lost me? He asked. Margot felt tired and defeated. She slumped slightly, her arms at her sides limp. She continued. And the screensaver. There we go. I'm trying to change. Okay, she continued. Once we get back home, things will change. You'll be promoted. You'll be praised and loved by everyone. And you'll move on from me. And you don't know how much that hurts because I love you. I've never been happier than we're, when we're together, and it's all about to end. Henry stood staring at her with wide eyes, and his mouth hanging slightly open. She desperately wanted him to say something. When he remained silent, she turned and started walking away. She managed only three steps before he called out to her, Margot, wait! She turned, frowning, as he ran up to her, again smiling. He stopped only a foot away from her. He stopped only a foot away from her. Really? You love me? I didn't say that, she said, blushing. Oh, yes, you did, he countered. Listen, nothing's going to change, all right? I adore you. There'll never be anyone else but you. I knew that the first time I saw you. But Henry was all she managed before he grabbed her and kissed her deeply. Aww, and that ends chapter 23. Well, that chapter did have a little bit of excitement in it, right? Margot and Henry, they almost got arrested, which I guess is exciting, um, but they didn't. 
you know, I feel like that scene really didn't take very long. Yeah. And um, what did you guys think about all the implied sex, you know? I feel like I could write a, like a sex scene, but I would, I'm too afraid that it would be identified as like uh, too like uh, taken from a porno or like, oh my God, that's what he does. Like, that's what he thinks sex is supposed to be like, you know? So I think it's probably best for everybody not to write sex scenes in general. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people are more creative than me. I'm not creative, so it's probably going to, you know, pull from things I've seen. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess it's good that it's just implied, right? Although Margot is very, uh, I guess just horny is what to say there, huh? She's into Henry. That's nice, I suppose. Aw. Yeah. They, their getaway was kind of exciting. I guess... It's kind of confusing because they left in the middle of the night. So what, what's going to happen now? Are they going to find a new hotel? Are they going to walk all night? Uh, are they going to set up a tent? Margo has a tent. You know, she has everything. So she would have a tent they could set up. Then you got to worry about bears. Am I right? Now, all you people in tents, do you worry about bears constantly? I would. I don't know. Yeah. There was this... Uh, I used to listen to... God, I think... I think this has come up on the podcast before mentioning bears. There was a uh, a radio station in Boston while I was in high school. And on Friday nights, they would have like Friday night comedy hour, I think. And I just remember this skit that was all about how scared women are of bears. It was so funny. I, I, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was good times. But I think I brought it up before. I, I just remember... Uh, there were like two male hosts and they said, you know, he was explaining like it's a good thing that women that, you know, the most terrifying thing in women's world is being eaten by a bear. And the other host was like, bears? What bears? <laughs> and I just remember they asked like their producer comes into the studio like, are you? he's like, aren't you afraid of bears? And she's like, oh, I'm terrified. Do you know they eat women? <laughs> it was just, the whole thing was just about bears. It was very odd. Eh. I don't know. I, I I don't think I did it justice. <laughs> you know what it is? It's all this wild turkey that I'm drinking. Oh, shit. Mm. I should find that. I have it on a tape somewhere on this planet. I'm not sure where, but it exists. So, yeah, I got to find that. I don't know. I guess that chapter actually wasn't bad. Like, if every chapter in this book was like the last three... I don't think I'd be so disappointed in this book, but I am pretty disappointed in this book. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> but okay, we still have one more chapter to go. Uh, I believe this next chapter is going to be the the denouement, you know, if you remember from uh, English class. Because I would say chapter 23 here is the climax. Like, they solved this problem that was like a side thing, but Margot said... That she loves Henry, and that was a big moment, right? Aw, so that was kind of the climax. Like, they were almost arrested. They escape out the back. Margot has a little bit of a breakdown. Henry gives her a big kiss, and then they probably have sex in a tent. So, I think that was the actual climax of the story, because the story wasn't really about people disappearing at all. That just kind of showed up in the end, like, hey, guess what? Three chapters about this nonsense. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, I, all right, so we hit the climax. So next chapter is the denouement. I was a little afraid the next chapter was going to be like a page and a half, but it is actually like five pages, so I guess that's good. I don't know that there's many drinking breaks, so Laura and I, we're going to have to just struggle through it. Yeah. I'm thinking, so we're out this weekend, this coming weekend, uh, so we might have to do it, I'm thinking like Christmas Eve or something would be a, that might be a fun activity if we do gifts. I don't know, would she do it? Uh, maybe after, like in case she doesn't like her gifts. Wait, we do gifts after we do the podcast because she might not like the gifts. So it would be a bummer if she was angry during the whole podcast. I think she'll like her gifts. Yeah, yeah. I would tell you guys what they are, but I can't because she might listen. Yeah, what are you going to do? Let's go on to discussion questions, though. Laura and I will be discussing these next week, hopefully. If I can convince her. I feel like she's got some... Getting a little nervous about being on the podcast again, but... Hopefully a bottle of wine will fix that. You know what I mean? All right. Question one. So Carlos was all angry with Henry for destroying the artifact. Question one, is Carlos a bad guy? Yeah, and give me some backstory if he is. That's what I like about Glenn's answers. A lot of backstory. I'm going to say probably, but spoiler alert, he's not in any other books ever. (laughs) I suppose if I were going to write a sequel to this one that goes between this and Bringing Balance, um, maybe he would show up again. I think that would make sense, but I don't know. I'm not writing it like next month, so I'm going to forget. I won't know who Carlos is anymore, right? So is he a bad guy? I'm going to say yes. That's my opinion. He was very upset about the artifact being destroyed. Very concerned about the magistrates. Maybe he's just on, like, their payroll, like a spy. Ooh. All right. Question two. All right. So when Margo and Henry... I'm going to look this up to give a little background here. Chapter 23. Pair left the next day. Oh. So the bartender comes... When the bartender returned, he placed two full mugs on the table and winked. Everything is on the house for you tonight, he said quietly. You don't have to, Henry started. No, please, it's my pleasure, the bartender stopped him. And I'll keep quiet, at least until you leave. With another wink, he returned to the bar and his raucous customers. Okay, so, question two. Have you ever been given, like, like free food or drinks? Like, uh, and not because of, uh, what, question one from last week, bugs and hair. <laughs> like, has anybody given it to you before? I can think, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, somebody at a bar that Laura and I frequent um, did buy us around our drinks for the night. Like all, or just around, I think. I don't know. Does that count if it was just around? I think so. It was pretty boss. I felt pretty pimping, but um, he wasn't hitting on us. It was just being nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever got anybody to buy you something for free? I'm trying to think of any other situations. I'm not like, uh, not like famous enough to get anybody to buy me a drink. That would be killer, man. If somebody from who's heard this podcast, like said, oh, I'm going to buy you a round of drinks. That'd be killer. I I would be so, I don't know. I'd be telling stories about it for years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would be killer. Uh, yeah, but that's never really happened to me. Has it happened to you? Yeah, write in with a story about it. I've had people buy me things, but I'm with them. I more mean like a stranger 
getting it for you. That's kind of more fancy. Yeah. If uh, probably a lot of girls get this, I think that's just, you know, how it goes. If you're like a college girl in a bar, I think that's just how it works. You get free drinks. I don't know. Laura and I in college didn't go to bars very often. So I didn't see anybody buy her a drink or anything like that. And I didn't either, I guess. Right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, question three. Oh, so Margo starts crying and weeping because they're going to be home soon and she's going to lose Henry and all that bullshit. All right. Question three. Don't you hate the last day of vacation? I know I do. I feel like Laura and I do a lot of like three day vacations. And I mean, like day one is you arrive. I'm pretty psyched. Day two, I'm already dreading having to leave on day three. <laughs> Like, that's how it works with me. I'm like, oh my god, it's already like 7 in the morning on the second day of vacation. This sucks. <laughs> I, it's such a bad, like, viewpoint to have. But, oh, that then when it's the last day, I'm always like, damn it. This has to end? Fuck. Yeah. So what's your opinions on that? I f feel, and you know what, like, uh, I mean like trips somewhere. When we're doing something nice and fancy... Because I'm not going to lie, my job's not particularly hard, right? I have it I have it pretty good, yeah. And I do like what I do, and it makes money, so I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, you guys should try working from home. It's the bomb, yeah. But uh, I don't know. So that's not like what I'm coming from. It's more, it's not like I have to go back to work. It's just that I like vacation, like destination vacation so much, I think. Laura knows this, that I adore hotels. So even like going to a conference like gets me super psyched. I love going to conferences just because I get a hotel room. It's usually not even the concert or conference that I'm like totally psyched about. That hotel room. Such a draw for me, you know? Ah. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Don't you hate that last day? I guess if it's like a family vacation and you're dragging like six kids with you. Yeah, maybe you're pretty happy that you get to go back to work or <laughs> don't have to live in the same hotel suite, hopefully, as them. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, write in with your answers. If you want to answer the discussion questions, head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com. And right there, you can find three ways to contact me. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. You can reach me on Mastodon at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or you can email me at jba at sdf.org. Send an email. That's real easy. I mean, I'm probably going to read what you say. If you actually put in there, don't say my name, I wouldn't say your name. I'm not an asshole. So go ahead, you know, just just write in. We're almost done with this book. I need to hear from somebody other than just Laura and Glenn. Come on. It's good times. Good times. And uh, I don't advertise this. I said last week I was going to put it on Facebook. I should just put it on Facebook. I guess. I don't have that many friends. I don't really see the point. I'll put it on Twitter, but I don't have that many Twitter followers. So uh, what are you going to do? Who cares? It doesn't matter. I don't even really care who listens to this. I just like making it. And I like drinking early Sunday afternoon whiskeys. Oh, baby. So that about wraps it up. It also wraps up my drink. I actually went up during the break, got a little bit more. Because that last drinking break, that ran me dry. So, yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, if you were really looking forward to that whiskey update, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll be back next week. I'm going to try to keep this on schedule. I know Christmas is coming up, but, you know, this podcast, I know a lot of people are relying on it for their own sanity. So we're going to make sure it gets out on time-ish, right? But until next time, keep on reading. Keep on reading.